Episode 119 of the MX Vice Show. It's been a crazy week, people. The tracks was the track was just crazy. Um, riders were, you know, had lots to say about the track in in, in about the weekend. Uh, it's just blew me away. I've got so much to tell you guys. So, um, you know, without further ado, let's get into the uh, into the MX Vice Show. I'm James Burfield, your host. Uh, hopefully you recognize the voice. Uh, with me is uh, Ed Stratman, who we'll come to in a minute. Uh, the show is brought to us by uh, Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. It's fortified through Thor and Moose house brands and their support of worldly MX riders like Calvin Vlanderen, Jorge Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagini, Jonas Bogers, and nine times world champ and four ambassador tony caroli your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike necken pro circuit fmf odi cycra rental recluse and many many more are in stock and ready to be shipped check out our website at partseurope.eu or contact your local parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. And one of them is obviously Even Strokes. So if you're looking for anything, then that's another one of our sponsors. Check out evenstrokes.com. Uh, Even Strokes, Asterisk, Kawasaki. Uh, man, we have got some great sponsors this year. Um, it, you know, without you know, without those guys, uh, we wouldn't be doing this, as I always say, because it's so bloody true. Um AS3 Performance Parts, check out as3performance.co.uk. Uh, really good aftermarket service. And they do all the cool bling parts um, and everything you can think of. So um, those guys um, run a really tight ship. Everything's next day delivery. They are on it. So um, definitely check those guys out. So what a weekend. Ed, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks, mate. Life's good. You guys did a... Uh... Did a bang on job covering it all. Looked like a pretty uh, brutal track, mate. I'm sure it would have been even worse in person, no doubt. And um, yeah, good to be back on, mate. Mate, the worst thing about that GP was the goddamn mosquitoes. <laughs> I was having absolute turmoil with them. 22 bites I've got. They even bit me through my T-shirt and my jeans. <laughs> yeah, you need Honestly. one of those cork hats we have in Australia, mate, to to keep them away or the, the air guard, as we call it here. So yeah, yeah well, stuff. If I go back to uh, uh, if we go back to Rio next year, then um, I'm going to get a beekeeping outfit. So um, <laughs> this, it was that bad, but er, it wasn't just me. Everyone got bit. So yeah. Um, yeah, they were taking chunks out of everybody, but it was just insane. Like literally, as it was, those dust came at like sort of five, six o'clock, and there were swarms of them. <laughs> it was just unreal. Like I, I, whatever I say is just sounds is going to sound like an exaggeration, but it was like a plague. So. Yeah. Um, but I, I managed to get through it, but the track, I, I, the one thing which, you know, I, I've watched the races back and the one thing I will say is, is TV does not do the tracks justice. That's my biggest gripe because I, I see what people are saying at home and stuff like that. And honestly, the riders were absolutely drained. It was like, you know, where before they they've they've they they they've all been there. They've been training there in the winter. After race one, there were some riders which were you know tore apart. I, I've never seen anything like it. They 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 kind of went into it thinking, yeah, we've got to conserve some energy. They they couldn't. 
Yeah. It was absolutely brutal on the Sunday. Like literally the track changed completely to the Saturday. So on the Sunday, on the Saturday, it was quite hard. They were kind of saying it's still too fast. We want it rougher. Oh my God. Their wish was granted because what happened, I think they they soaked the track so much with water um, on Saturday night. Uh, they didn't grade it. So they done some of the jumps in the face of the jumps and literally with the WMX and EMX 250, and then obviously the classes with the water, it, the, the the hard base went and it was it was deep. It and when I when we done the track walk with Brent on Friday, it I just cannot believe the change the change in the track. It made I think it made Lommel look flat. It there was holes. That's the best way of describing it. And and it, and what happened was it the flat sort of. Um, as they came out of the corners, like wave sections started to appear. So they were actually using the bumps to jump out and into another hole. It was crazy, honestly. Like it was so cool to watch. And because I was up quite close and personal with with the video camera, it honestly it was I take my hat off because what they were doing, but what a lot of the riders were doing, uh, what, what a lot of riders were, were, were telling me was that was just the upper body. They were constantly having to pick the front wheel up. Yeah. And I can only imagine it was like bench pressing for 40 minutes. That's the best way of describing it. it literally, I've... If you've seen Roman Fevre walking through the pits, he had like a towel on his head. This is after race one, just absolutely obliterated. Just And that's race one. So, and that's what that wasn't just him. That was every rider was just looked... Spent Brent Van Donick, he was just like, I, I, I just can't believe how hard it is. So this is like sand guys, Vlanderen. You know, this is really good sand riders, which are basically saying the track was tough. Yeah, it looks so brutal, that, mate. Yeah, I don't know if that come across, you know, is is yeah. is hard as it did on, on you know on TV, but uh, yeah, there, yeah, it was it was a crazy, crazy track. Yeah, so, I know um, Paul um, on the commentary made mention of it so many, like quite a few times. How um, how you just you got to see it for yourself because you know there was obviously dudes and they'd be mentally and physically exhausted because the concentration and the focus and the the developing track and the, the bumps and the holes and the all the always having to adjust your lines and getting those jumps off the, the faces were that you know there was so many choices off the faces, but you also obviously had to make sure you picked the right one and you weren't dragging peg and. Like there was just so many calculations going on through the riders' heads in that race. It was it was a yeah. pretty astonishing effort. And even, you know, like, yeah, Maxime Renault said to you, this was tougher than Lommel. Like it wasn't a – it was quite a common theme that, of how savage it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, every rider I spoke to, not one – I don't think it was one person who enjoyed it. I think Hurlins possibly <laughs> enjoyed with his performance. But um, every other rider I seen was just like – I think they were just thankful to get out in one piece and just looking forward to, to Switzerland. <laughs> Yeah, so, I think I think that was the tough. They 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 a lot of the guys were saying that, and Lommel was the two toughest to to get that one out of the way. We we're kind of happy to to be going to Switzerland, especially guys like Beniston, who you spoke to, and Adamo, who obviously prefer the the harder pack stuff. And yeah, yeah. The, the sand it was it was it looked like a hell of a day, mate. Yeah, it was, it was just quite, it's quite funny because obviously we spoke to a lot of people in Argentina, and they were all looking forward. <laughs> Yeah, to Rio. <laughs> and uh, you speak to them after Rio, and they're just like, "Oh my god!" That's like, so it's like it was like a tell of two different, like you know, 
Look, listening to him at Argentina with, I'm really looking forward to getting in the sand. To uh, literally, I, I can't. Yeah, I'm just glad I've survived and I've got out. So, yeah. um, the the one thing I will say is, and and it and it, you know, there's not really a lot you can do, but on the Saturday because they race so late and obviously the time's yeah. changing. It was the last day of of kind of winter, really, um, and then obviously the clocks change. But that last race was quite dangerous. When the shadow, because the sun was so low, the shadows in the holes, we seen Vlander and go down uh, with yeah. an uncharacteristic um, error. You know, you know the guy's absolute master around that track. Mm. Uh, he just said he couldn't see it. He yeah. just couldn't see where he was going. It, it was like you're going along where the sun's hitting it. You can see the light bits, but basically the dark. Um, and Herlin's repeated this. Um, it, it was echoed by quite a few riders where basically they couldn't judge how deep the holes were. So because this, where the sun was catching it, it was just literally light parts, which was on the top and every hole was just dark. So, and they're going, it, you know, they're not exactly hanging around <laughs> split second decisions. So a lot of them did say, do you know what? This, this was really dangerous in the, in the last race on the, on the Saturday, a few of them sort of backed it down a little bit. Um, I won't name names or whatever, but a few of them were yeah. just saying, do you know what? It's, we just need to, to, to do, get out of this in, in, in one piece. So mm. um, yeah, but obviously, you know this new qualification uh, race uh, with points is it's obviously difficult because they want to try and get the best position possible. You know, possible. Yeah. Did you find so, obviously with the qualifying race and stuff, and obviously it's not usually the the most well attended GP. How was the fans? Um, the, the sort of was there heaps there? Was it was there people like sort of cried into it or sort of a bit low key compared to Argentina? Obviously, it, it was definitely a, a lot less than Argentina, but I was still quite surprised. There was sort of pockets of fans. Mm. So, um, like, uh, as you came off the start, there was like one main section which you could see, like two or three sections of the of the track. Because the, although it's not like a Lirop where you were in the middle of a forest, like this is like the best way of describing it is that you're in the middle of like a, a, a kind of like the bush, I guess, in Australia yeah. with. Like, <laughs> tie everywhere in in uh you know like heath and scrublands and stuff like yeah. that with just deep sand so like even for me just trying to get around the track you know you're like trying to get through like foreign bushes and stuff like that to yeah. film it is insane like i think i done sort of twenty thousand steps just on um saturday trying to get around the track so it was so difficult like yeah. i mean every media person said the same but um yeah it was it was just such a weird place so uh but it, it, at the same time it produced fantastic racing i mean the last race of mxgp when you've seen th all three of them go in the corner which i'd just like to add i did catch on yeah. camera so that will be going up this week yeah. so um yeah just right place right time but it, that was fantastic to see so like the riders were saying, you know, there was plenty of places to pass. Although it might have seemed a bit one liney, but there was kind of, yep, there was there was one main line. But once you get stuck in that main line, you're not coming out because it was the ruts were so deep, the bumps were so deep. So uh it was quite interesting to watch the last sort of two, three laps where people were trying to find a smooth line as possible. Yeah, you can try. see after the finish line jump, a lot of the dudes like I think um Lucas Curden was doing it, they were going so wide, they made like a it's almost like a pit lane around the outside just to get that momentum and carry it through. And I was going to say, when you actually walked the track on the Sunday, were, were you, were you like falling in that, like the sand was that deep, like it was like a dry um, sort of soft, like if you were trying to run on it, you wouldn't get much traction. Like obviously yeah. these guys must've been able to do it on full racing, full bikes. Like it's pretty wild, isn't it? 
yeah, it was, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it, it, yes, it was, you, you know, very Lommel-esque, um, but yeah, just, it just got the, 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 the Saturday, they were, as I said, they were complaining that it was, it was too fast. They wanted it rougher and everything else. And then it was like, it, it was two different days, but Argentina was exactly the same with Argentina this year where the, on the, on the Saturday was so hard underneath and on the Sunday it did get a little bit better. But this was like a completely different, um, you know, Saturday had this hard base. So it, although it was sand, it did have a hard base underneath, which caught a few people by surprise. And I guess everybody was expecting that to happen on the Sunday. And literally after, um, after the warm up, they were like, Oh dear. Okay. Yeah. This is completely different because it was, it, it went from, it went from like, you know, one type of track to, to a different type of track. So I think a few people had to adjust, you know, things like suspension settings, um, trying to make it a little bit more, um, you know, sort of stiffer on the front. So yeah, it was, it, it caught a few people out. Uh, absolutely. Not, not just like physically, but you know, bikes set up and in, in, in that type of thing as yeah. well. So, but yeah, it was good. It was, it was, uh, it, it, the racing was fantastic, both in MX2 and MXGP. Um, the fans which did go there, they definitely got their, their money's worth for the day. But yeah, I was quite surprised because I've been told that hardly any fans go. And then we went and I reckon it was a good, I would say a good four or 5,000 people there. Yeah. So um, yeah. So it wasn't nothing like Argentina, which was absolutely packed. But um, yeah, it was four or 5,000 on, on the island. But it was quite nice because uh, they must be used to the motocross guys now going over in the winter training. And a lot of the restaurants had like sort of MXGP posters outside. So you kind yeah. of knew, yeah, it was quite funny. Every time we went into a restaurant, you kind of seen like, you know, media industry, that type of th- type of thing. So um, they, they've done quite well, the uh, the local uh, spots to understand how we can maximize on getting motocross fans in. Yeah, like they obviously um, obviously love it. Yeah, yeah, certainly was the food good, mate, just to quickly sidetrack. Oh, no, the, the food was great. Like. Um, it was my first time to, to Sardinia that we've obviously been there the last two years, but I, ha- I haven't obviously due to COVID um, and, and the previous year, I just let the boys go. So it's my first trip to, um, to Riola. I've got to be honest. Um, I think it's one of those, what you could do with putting on your list because, you know, you can get great accommodation. We stayed in a, in a little hotel on the beach. Um, we're not, sorry, little hotel, a little sort of um, like Airbnb. We done it through booking.com. It was 200 euros. Um, didn't have Wi-Fi, but it was perfect. Had a little kitchen, two bedrooms, um, and and literally we walked out, and fifty yards away is the beach. So, yeah. literally every morning you kind of had your coffee on the beach. It was pretty cool. Have your breakfast, and then we went off to, to racing. So a lot, it's called Purdue Izu. So a lot of the um, teams and riders will kind of stay there, or there's Oristano, I think, or Oristano or something like that, and that's a, a main town. And obviously Riola. So, those, if you if you're looking to go to a GP, um, just be mindful that the the viewing's okay, but you're going to be doing a lot of walking. Um, but you could have possibly once you've you've got your two flights, then then there's some great accommodation, which is quite cheap. Great place to take uh, the girlfriend or wife or yeah, you know, a group of guys you can you can split the cost with. So um, yeah, I fully recommend. Suit. <laughs> yeah, beekeeping suit. Yeah, make sure you get. Uh, I've actually, do you know what? Interestingly, so many people sent me tips um, of what like um, like the green berets have been using. They swear <laughs> by this. I want a bit. Yeah, a big shout out to Mark Gifford who kind of messaged me yeah. and said, "Yeah, you need to get this product from Avon." He said, "It's it's it's what the military uses. It's so bloody good that the uh, mosquitoes." <laughs> so 
do you know what? I'm going to buy like a bag full of it and smother myself in it. So <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, yeah. I, if, if you're looking at a GP to go to, I definitely put it on the list. If you can, you can have a, like a little bit of a holiday as well. So um, yeah, it's quite nice. But again, I think we've seen less riders there because of the yeah. cost of actually getting the bikes there. It's an eight hour ferry to, to transport the bikes over. So mm-hmm. if you're coming from the UK, you've got either a ferry or a channel tunnel, and then you obviously go down to Italy and then you're looking to to come across. Um, we flew into Calorie, but obviously they, you know, with the ferry, it's an eight hour crossing from Italy. So, and it's, it's obviously in the middle of the med. So it's, it's quite far away. So it's, so I can see why so many people have opted not to go there. And that's why we, I think we've seen the low numbers on the, on, on the gate. Didn't take anything away from the racing to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I see Switzerland's uh, the entry list. Just, uh, just put them up before this podcast, and they're they're pretty massive. Yeah, <laughs> they're all the classes in Switzerland compared. There's definitely a, a lifter in the numbers. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, I've I, I kind of seen a lot of comments online. I think we're going to see that throughout the year. I mean, there's going to be you know France, Belgium, Holland. Uh, possibly Spain, they're all going to be maxed. You know, they're going to be yeah. really good gates. But then there's going to be, you know, there are there there, you know, Latvia might be, you know, that's a bit of a drive. Um, no one really wants to be driving to to, to Riga. Uh, Locket yeah. is always a bit, of a, a bit of a drive. It's doable. I mean, I've driven to Locket before. So and, and Tushin Tower be really good as well. So Tushin Tower be you know full gates and you get a massive crowd there. So and Trentino would be really good. So so those ones are going to be. We know they're going to be well supported. Yeah. And also there's going to be, you know, should be full lineups as well. So I wouldn't read too much into Sardinia. It was very costly for a rider um, to go there. So, Yeah, just a quick one on that entry list. I saw that obviously Evans is on that. Tonus is on it. So it'll be cool to see him um, have a crack. And Guys is on it, which I doubt he'll obviously be there. But it's obviously just a bit of fun and games that that he's on there at this stage, mate. Did you hear anything on how he's going um, while you're there? Uh, The rumor rumor for Guys is Trentino. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I've not heard anything um different from that point of view at the moment. So everything everybody's telling me at the moment, Trentino. Yeah. Obviously um, just having a bit of fun with that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe play a bit of mind games. Uh yeah. maybe he's took a little uh little uh out of Jeffrey's book. So um yeah. maybe yeah, let's let's play around a little bit. But one of the things I did hear that um uh in and, and again, this is just rumor mill. Please don't take this at uh, you know full gospel. This is just kind of what what, what I hear in the pits and rumours and stuff like that. This is not official, but I, I've heard that maybe we might see uh, a Slovenian GP instead of Vietnam. Um, that's the the latest talk. So I mean that would be incredible, obviously, yep. um, because there's a lot of fans that want to see Tim. So um, uh, you know that's that's going to be amazing if that that happens. So. Um, so that's the, the one of the rumors which which I've heard. But one of the things which uh, which was quite interesting the weekend was um, kind of silly season is already starting to go into full flow. We're only two GPs in, and yet you know MX2 riders are raging out already, talking to people and and looking for opportunities. Um, it's all I, I'm quite surprised. Usually it hits in about June. Uh, yeah. The talks. And we've not even hit April yet, and it looks like, you know, there's going to be some 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 musical chairs here, there, and everywhere. I think the biggest one's going to be Yamaha because um, yeah. obviously Gertz is going to be going up, um, and that leaves uh, Benestant and Elzinger, and then obviously they're going to 
bring up another one from possibly the Hutton Metal team. Probably looking uh, at Bonacorsi at this point, unless he, because he's a big man, there could be some uh, validity in him going to a 450 at some, uh, you know, skipping it. But at this stage, you'd probably be thinking him. Well, I mean, you can you only got to look at Guadagini. You know, he spent not too long on the MX2 bike before going to 450. Mm. Bonacorsi is huge. Rick Elzinger, <laughs> massive. Mm. Like, literally looks like he could pick up a 250 and run around the track. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, there's, there's some big guys in there. And, you know, talking about 450, there is the obviously the um, the information what we got from Harrop. So I might have jumped the gun a little bit. There is still a chance that Harrop might be back on on Dixon. Um, yeah. I kind of put something out on Twitter. Uh, Steve called me the next day and said, uh, "What a bloody are you doing? You jumped the gun a little bit." So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so who knows? He could be back there, um, or he could be doing something on you know possibly on a 450. There's there's nothing in concrete yet. It's still very, very early days. Um, and obviously Steve is just looking at um, options for if he comes back, right? If not, then um, then there's an option, option uh, a B, B option. But it was obviously quite, you know, quite, quite a difficult conversation for, for him to have with me. So I do appreciate that. And uh, I haven't overstepped the mark by, um, by releasing the information a little bit quickly. I did apologize yeah. the next day. Yeah. But... The problem is, is you're kind of stuck in the middle because everybody's asking where Harrop is. You can't just yeah. kind of say, oh, he's gone on a little vacation. He's not here. It's obviously, you know, something, yeah. you know, people yeah. aren't silly. So it's very difficult to to to, 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 to do that. It's, I guess in, in, in football terms, Ed, like um, uh, it's, it's the same as when a rider misses, tra- uh, sorry, when a foot, when a, a player misses training. Yeah. Transfer you know, news it, goes into, in the, in the meltdown and, and obviously, it's yeah, the, the it, media's so big in soccer or football. You can get away with dropping a few things and not being held accountable. Um, but in in MXGP motocross, when you you know that's sort of um, uh, bread and butter, it's uh, you can't really run or hide from it, can you? No, and that's the the the, the, the big problem. So it, it's hard, and you know, it's if you know, for me, it's you know, it's kind of knowing what to put out there and what to not. I felt like I was helping a little bit. Because um, obviously, I see a lot of comments online, and, and that kind of puts weight on my shoulders. Because I obviously know one side of the story, and and like you say, there's two sides to every story. So um, you're just doing your job too. Yeah, so it's it's quite difficult. But the problem is, is I get told so much stuff that I've just got to be mindful of what I can say and what what I can't mm. say, which would probably yeah. Um, but I don't probably need to think a little bit more because uh, there's just little things. So, so little things I learned the weekend is that um, the beta guys, so Ben Watson and um, uh, Lupino, they're going to be having a little upgrade soon. So um, they're lacking a little bit uh, with with the bikes and the power departments. They've got something coming which is going to really help them. So obviously the first two GPs have been so tough for them because they've been at altitude in um, Argentina and then they've obviously been in the deep sand of Riola. So they've been yeah. really up against it. But don't expect that to continue. Once this new part's on that bike, they are going to be in a very, very good place. They're going to kind of be on an even playing field with the rest of the teams. So, um, which is great because what you've got to think of is they're a factory team, yes. And Beta has a fantastic Enduro bike. There's a lot of people switching from other manufacturers at the moment to the Beta bike because it's so freaking good. So they obviously know what they're doing they obviously understand what what's what's going on they're making the changes um but it's incredible that a team so small 
that is able to to build a motocross bike and make it competitive competitive within MXGP. And I think this upgrade is, is going to put Lupino and um, Ben in a, in a much better place. They're going to be, you know, obviously starts are critical within MXGP. If they can be um, in contention in the starts, we know how good a starter Lupino is anyway. So I think this upgrade, this mod is going to be very, very good for him. Yeah, and obviously um, Jeremy Van Horbeek did did done some very good things uh, over the last couple of years on the beta, especially on the hard surfaces. Um, obviously there's been a bit of he's had a few issues in the sand, but um, yeah, he's definitely shown what it's capable of, and you'd only expect it to go from strength to strength as they as they yeah get 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 these new developments in and get get them tested and sorted and just go from strength to strength, mate. Because it's good to have another manufacturer like that that's um entering the fray, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's going to be the first of many. We, you know, we've already heard that Triumph and Ducati is going to be coming into the sport. So mm. it, on, on on that note, when we're talking about sort of, um, you know, manufacturers, teams and changes, the guys at Standard and Construct, Tim's team, um, Tim Mathis, is, is basically those guys have just switched over to Honda. They literally mm. got the bikes, I think, what, November? And, you know, they've just been, they're playing catch up. It, everything's new. You know, they've got no data, no nothing. They're just still kind of testing, still trying to uh, improve the bike and, and get there. Those guys are going to get better every GP because the more GPs they do, the more they're learning, they're training, they're working hard. The results aren't showing um, mm. at the moment, but they're going to come. Pauls and Brian are going to be very, very good, but it's going to take a little while for um, them to sort of get the right things for the bikes. Behind the scenes in the industry, there's still a lot of issues with supply. Mm. So the supply chains are not as good as what we would like. You know, that for I've 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 heard so many stories about literally picking up the plastics a week before. Um, you know, things like this because certain bikes were were late into development and and getting them and stuff like that. That there wasn't the parts developed for them, the aftermarket mm. parts. So each GP, we're going to see these people improve. And it won't just be the rider improving; it will be very much the bike improving. So um, we, we will we will start to see over the next two or three GPs some some real changes from from a few different teams. So, Especially um, with standing construct, do you know how much help they're getting from HRC? Is there much of sort of a pipeline of information going uh, through there, or not really? Nah, I don't think they're getting anything. Um, I'd be I'd be very surprised. I think those guys are possibly doing it all on their own. Mm. Um, but they are a superb team. Yeah. So, you know, we've said it before on the show, like, like everybody on that team is just so nice, super happy, all working in one direction. They're, they are one of the best teams in the paddock in that yeah, You hear a lot of riders, uh, everyone I spoke to, Monticelli, a little while ago, and he was just saying he had like, such a good time and the results spoke for themselves. You know, he, he was happy. He could have a lot of fun. He could he could be like himself, you know, because he's a pretty loose, funny dude. And um, yeah. Yeah, that, that gives them environments to, to really thrive and to get to make sure they're happy and then happy rider, good results. And it's, um, it would be good to see them have some more success because they've done a mega job over the years. That's for sure. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I don't think we're that far away. So, um, you know, the guys are, uh, you know, they're obviously in good condition. They're, they're injury free. I spoke to Bogus. He's still a vegetarian. Um, so he's, you know, he's, he's where the vegetarian things were still, still working. Um, I did get out of him though, that he did have a sneaky steak in, um, 
in Argentina. So he said it was very difficult to be a vegetarian in Argentina yeah. whenever he'd eaten these <laughs> massive steaks around him. So he, he said he slipped off the wagon in um, in Argentina, which did make me chuckle a little bit. But um, God bless yeah, it's, yeah. So there's there's going to be a few little changes with those teams. Um, uh, but yeah, the, uh, silly season. You know where before it's there's talk around the paddock and you start to see sort of riders talking to the different types of people behind a tent or, you know, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely in full, full mode. Yeah. And, obviously um, Glenn Coldenoff was one of the guys that was sort of, uh, up, up in limbo at this point. And he's obviously had such a good second moto there getting the win. And that sort of throws, throws a few more questions up, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and the, the thing what you have to like any anybody who's listened to this podcast and you have children, you understand how difficult the first three months are. It's a battlefield. Um, you know, you, you got shit and piss everywhere. Um, just baby vomit. Um, then you have like you have literally coughs and just everything. Everything hits you in those first three months. Sleep deprivation. Uh, we talked about Glenn's actually in a, in in a, in a separate room at the moment because yeah. he, he he just sleep to make sure he can train. So you know they, those guys are really um, you know anybody's had like a baby. Those guys are really up against it because they've still got to maintain their training, still got to maintain their riding. But the thing is, is, it's a shift in mentality that changes because you suddenly got a child, um, you know. So, and I, and I did say to Glenn in the uh, in the interview, um, you know, you know, you know, when you have a child, it, you, it's, you're going to be a second a lap slower. So, like, how the hell are you a second a lap faster? <laughs> so he just started laughing. So, um, yeah, but it was really good to see. I mean, you know, he's is is a we know the talent, we know what he can do. We, we you know we've seen it so many times, uh, nations in 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 you know, Assen in, in lots of different stuff where literally when he, when he gets it right, he is unstoppable. And again, he looked really good all weekend. Mm. So, and I suppose um, not many people probably expected that because it's sort of, um, you know, he's a, he obviously won last year and he's, he's a, just an awesome rider, especially so good in the sand. And it was interesting to hear him tell you that how in that first race, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just ease off a bit. I'll preserve my, my energy a little bit, keep my powder dry. And he's like, yeah, that didn't work at all. So let's full gas and really push as hard as I could on that second one. And cause that's what you need to do to ride the track, to attack it fully, not sort of manage it because it, it you just can't get, he obviously found that that worked, even though he might've had some, you know, had a bit of powder dry for the second one. He said, it just wasn't the way to do it. And it didn't work for me. So pretty cool insight. It was, it was funny. I, I, the, 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 I got nine podcasts in the end in the, in the Atrobus post-race podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I probably could have got 18. Um, but unfortunately, so many riders literally were either trying to catch the last flight out of um, Sardinia. So a lot of them went early, which was a real shame. Um, and and a lot of them did wait around for me, but I was so busy kind of interviewing that I, I spent an hour um, it, like interviewing, chatting and in, in, in stuff like that. So um yeah, I, I would have liked to have got more because there were so many more people that I'd spoke to throughout the weekend. And a lot of people after race one said, uh, well, when I was just chatting to them in the pits, they kind of said after race one, they knew they made the mistake because they were trying to conserve energy. And actually they were using more energy because if they had attra- attacked the track a little bit more, they think that they would have used the same amount of energy, but got a better position. So it was quite interesting that, yeah, you've just brought that up with Koldanoff because that was kind of, that resonated with about three or four different riders where they just said they probably didn't attack enough in the first race. 
And actually, when they did in the in the second race, it was way easier. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously so, when you um, see someone like Prado just racing away with the first one and he hardly looks like he's trying and he's so smooth and it's just like technically proficient, just obviously smashed the fastest lap time in the first one. And you're probably thinking, yeah, well, he's not really – he's making this look pretty easy and there's dudes – and obviously he's still fighting super hard and fighting the bike and lifting those, that front end up. It's still draining. and, and But once he gets the start, he's away. And so it was interesting yeah. – um, just another before I let you get back onto that topic. It was interesting. Fevra obviously had that crash in the first one. And then the second one, he was like, he was super fast. And him and him and Kolbnoff were the only men in the 152s lap times in that second moto. So, so you probably would have thought Hurlings would have had the fastest time, but that just shows how fast he was, even though he had that unfortunate misstep. And I think Fevra, Fevra is going to be pretty good. Um, he just only had that arm pump surgery pretty recently and it'll be, Good to keep an eye on him, mate, especially coming to the hard pack stuff. And obviously him and guys like Renault are super well-rounded now. They're good on everything. Even Renault, he was his his results. He was another guy like Calvin whose results um didn't didn't uh, reflect his speed because he was lying. Just once again, that just, just find that finding that limit and the balance on that track, it looked like it was nigh and impossible to get it right. And obviously yeah. someone like Hurlings it took to to get the win and Glenn, and they've got the experience, but the um but yeah, Maxime, once he ties all that together, it will be frightening, I reckon. Well, going back to Fevre, it's quite interesting because what we see, the Fevre, what we've seen in race one and the Fevre, what we've seen in race two, was just like, it's like he, it was like two different GPs. Mm. And and the weirdest thing was, uh, was uh, I kind of went past the Kawasaki um, truck after, well, it's not really a truck. It's like a freaking exhibition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's absolutely unreal. So um, they 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 had a team meeting. So there was the Japanese. There was everyone. The whole team were having a meeting after race one. So I have no idea what went down. But obviously, I think there was a kind of few like what 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 happened in race one. They had this massive team meeting, and then in race two, he does what he does. Mm. So it was like two, it was like two different riders so i don't know i didn't get a chance to chat to him which was i really I, I, you know that's my first question in, in in the swiss gp is is what the hell happened what changed in race one to race two so that's something for me to find out because whatever was said in that meeting or whatever happened in that meeting obviously worked yeah. so whether it was a bike change or or anything we don't i don't currently know but all I do know is that the Fevra, which came out for race two, was not the Fevra that was riding in, in, in race one. So, um, again, it, the, the Fevra in race two was just attacking everything. Mm. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty – like, he was impressive. Him and Renault, like, they looked very good for, you know, in, in that surface on that track. And, you know, we know Renault's ultra-fit, motivated, dedicated. And it was, yeah, for Fevra being a bit under the, under the you know, physically a bit short, it was pretty impressive yeah. and – Obviously, we better have a quick chat about Hurlings. Obviously, two-two for the overall. Got the hundredth GP win. Um, how impressive was it in person, mate? And um, must have been pretty cool to be there for that moment because it is a significant yeah. milestone. I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, well, was he in seventh place? Three laps to go. Was that yeah? The- in, that, in that second he- one, I think it was seventh or eighth. He got all the way through the second, and it's he- it's not absolutely- like he was just passing. Anyone he was getting past, like Feveris, who were uh, uh, Prado, yeah. you know, it was Renault. Yeah, it was mega. It was phenomenal. It and literally, because up to that point, I was obviously filming. So I'm watching the race and filming and everything else. And 
that's where I caught the three of them coming into. And, and it's just like, where the hell's he come from? Because one minute he's not there and the next minute he is. And he was just taking, I haven't, I would love to sit down and look at the lap times because I haven't, I haven't sat down and looked at lap times, mm. but it, it, what an incredible performance. And, and, you know, it's caught of him after, you know, the race in, and he will say, yeah, I'm still not there. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, and I genuinely don't think that is a Jeffrey mind game. That is him being honest and just saying, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm still not where I want to be. And, yeah. and that's, uh, and it didn't like before you can kind of tell when he's kind of playing and stuff like that. But this, this time it, it really felt like he was being honest and just said, yeah, I'm, I'm still, you know, I, I managed to pull it off, but I'm still not, no, I'm still nowhere near where I, where I, where I want to be. And he said to you that he wanted to get like he didn't. He still doesn't feel like that dominant twenty twenty one himself, even though he had a he missed a bit with a bit of time, a few GP, a few rounds, a few motos per se after the Monticelli Os accident. He doesn't feel like he's back there, and he's missing that intensity, like you said. But I've actually just looked at the the lap chart at the end of that race, and you know Glenn and and dudes like Maxime are hitting one fifty sixes to to one fifty sevens, and Herlings has just dropped the hammer and done about three. He's done, he's got a block of you know five laps in the air there. He's done fifty fours and fifty threes. So he's just just raced ahead, just cat clack, just you know cutting off seconds a lap, and then he never dropped under fifty five for the last seven laps. So to give you a, an example, Glenn had one. He had a fifty four in the last yeah. seven laps, and then everything else is above is in the fifty sixes to fifty nine. So. That just shows that just how he just he really did drop the hammer and, and let him have it, didn't he? Yeah, it, it, you know, it was a classic hurlings. It was phenomenal to see. Uh, as you said, it was great to be there. And it was hard for me because it's like I'm trying to film, but also like you forget to film because you're, you're watching yeah. the races. So, uh, yeah, apologies to, to, to Jeremy, who uh, I'm working with at the moment, where he's saying, where's the footage? And I'm like, it's in my head. <laughs> So, um, you know, once a fan, always a fan. So it, it, but, you know, to watch him do what he done was, yeah, was, was something special. And again, I, I, you know, we've talked about on the, on the podcast show before when he leaves MXGP, Mm. he is going to leave a massive hole. He is a superstar. Like he is, he is like the Ronaldo, he is the Christian Ronaldo of, of um, motocross in, in, Mm. you know, on the world stage. Like he's there, like, you know, you have your, you have your, you know, that messy, that messy Ronaldo is, is the Tomac Hurlins, you know, riders. Yeah. It's like, you know, they they are some of the best riders of their generation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we've seen the last of him putting in, you know, we, we, I think we're going to carry on talking about um, his greatness because, you know, he signed a two year contract extension with KTM. Um, and, and again, like, you know, I was speaking to him, uh, I don't know if it was in the interview or it might have been after, but he was basically saying, "Yeah, I'm going to do a um, another race this weekend mm. just to, to yep. build my intensity." So I've heard that he possibly could be doing a couple of more races. Um, one could possibly be in the UK. So um, he's doing some. He's he is literally trying to get as many races under his belt to build that intensity because that's another thing which he's still missing. Yeah, and he's obviously only seven points off Prado now in the in the championship um, race, and then obviously Prado's got um, twenty two points back to Renault and Feber, and then Colton off just a little bit off, and then Blandron's pretty impressive in um, sixth, and then you go to seventh, and Fernandez had an absolute shocker of a week, and actually wasn't bad on the speed and the riding, just the crashes 
just finding yeah. that limit is is not easy on that track. And he he doesn't really like sand, which he said in your in your, in your fox um reel there. But yeah, he actually yeah. did look too too bad in it. But just yeah, the mistakes killed him. But yeah, hurlings is yeah, it must have been a pleasure to watch that in person, mate. I, it was awesome on the on the stream to to see him just laying it down like that but yeah just makes it look easy on that and at the worst part of the day on the track and the conditions and yeah it's it's pretty scary for the rest of the competition isn't it yeah i I will say though that you know as as great as hurlins was um that first race from prado was Mm. just phenomenal and I gotta be honest, he's the one who's surprised me the most because obviously the last couple of years he's not been as good as because we've had all had high expectations of him, you know, winning world championships at MX2 and then coming up and he's still really young. Mm. But the fact that he's at that pace already in MXGP this year, you know, as, as great as Jeffrey is, Prado is is very, very good this year. And we so, and we've obviously spoken about this with um Lorenzo as well and and heard from Jorge himself about the just having that preseason, and like you said, he's been he's been mixing it up, and he's been loving it with Smets, and really had a good body of work behind him. Which in the past he's he's got there, had a bad injury, and then you reset, and you you know you're fighting dudes that have had ten years plus experience, and they have that base, and their their bodies can adapt quicker because they've been there, and you know they've put in the work over the years. Whereas he hasn't quite got to that that base that base he wants, and now he's he's got there, and it's. He makes it look easy, and once he gets the start, it's it really is lights out. So, obviously, when he when he has to battle through the pack, it's not quite the same story. He loves that free track and loves just to get wide open and get out front and stretch the legs and then manage races. But yeah, we're interested to see how he goes when he when he gets in a few more battles because in the second motos, he's just managed things to to get results and get the points haul, which is kind of what it's all about this year, especially with the qualifying points, which he's just been flawless in them too. So. Can't really fault him at this point. Yeah, the worrying thing for for his competitors is he's never going to have a bad start. Yeah. If there's one thing he can do, I, I spoke to Harry Everts, and Harry Everts, the first thing he said to me was Prado. He said his reactions are unbelievable. He said he's never seen anybody with the reactions what he's got on a start. That's for Harry Everts. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it... It, the, he, he, the, I don't know how he does it, but you just know that he's getting out the gate. So when you're facing that as a competitor, like you've, you're always going to be battling somehow with Prado because he's always going to get that gate and be in the first two or three. Yeah, yeah, mate, so, it makes um, it just puts you at a massive disadvantage because yeah, he's like he's like rocks and when those those first early sprint laps either way, like and then you you're pushing it uphill to to catch on to him again, and you know it'd be good to see obviously someone like Calvin get a really good start because he said, you know, barely in the top step, top 10, but his, he had podium speed, no doubt on the weekend, obviously after that mega ride last year going one, one, but he was, he was seriously good, but he was getting hold, held up all the time. Even Hurlings, he had like yeah. more speed than Hurling, but he just kept getting to dudes and Jeremy as well. He got to, he just couldn't get past them, yeah. even though he had so much more speed and, you know, he must've been so frustrating for him because even though he got three, five and, he still it was still a good round and a good haul, but he and the crash obviously scuppered things a bit, which cost him on the gate on the Saturday. Yeah. But he was still uh, you still be proud of that. But wow, like yeah, could have been much the, more. The crash definitely hindered him. He 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 mentioned that in in uh, I think what he said was the the amount of um, the amount of energy 
uh, and the time wasted in 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 trying to get past Hurlins in Siwa was basically what killed those results over the weekend. Mm. So um, I, I, you know, as much as you know, that expectation must have been massive when you go one one the previous year and everybody's everyone was expecting, you know, can 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 Vlander and do it again. So um, that was a lot of pressure anyway to have on your shoulders at the start of the weekend, which he dealt with very, very well. But I guess it's just a few little things which were which were kind of um, missing. But we'll talk a little bit more about MX2. Um, that's the end of, of part one um, of the episode 119 of the MX Vice show. Brought to you by Parts Europe. We support the sport. It's fortified through the four and moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Vlanderen, Jorge Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagini, Jonas Bogers, and nine-time world champ and four ambassador Tony Caroli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renful, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out our website at partseurope.eu or contact your Parts Europe dealer uh, with a network of over 10,000 shops we're sure there is one close to you. We'll be back in five. Welcome back to episode 119 of the MX Vice show. So much to talk about, so, so much, but we, uh, a little bit of a shortened show this week because, uh, well, not our usual hour and a half. Um, possibly some people don't know out there, but um, we're actually moving the MX Vice HQ this week. So uh, we came back late uh, Monday night. So much work to do. So we got all that done. And then literally today and yesterday we were uh, we've just been moving premises, and we're doing the same for Thursday and Friday. So uh, we have to relocate the podcast room, our TV studio, which we're yet to see. So um, that's going to be uh, quite a big one going forward. So uh, yeah, lots of uh, cool stuff to see. But so uh, unfortunately, we've had to. It's going to be be a shorter version uh, this week. But we'll definitely be back next week anyway with a longer version and talk a little bit about the upcoming um, Swiss GP. And we'll know a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes. Hopefully, Brent Van Donick will be on the show next week. Um, he was going to be on it tonight with um, Ed and myself, but he uh, had to go to Germany riding today and he wasn't going to get back in time. So um, it's a bit of a last minute call. Um, but I think he's getting some hard pack practice in for, um, for obviously the next round. So um, obviously we can't do this again without the great partners we have. One of the guys uh, to step up this year is AS3. Um, Literally, Ben Allison created the company around about sort of 12 years ago, same sort of age as MX Vice, and he's turned it into a phenomenal success. AS3 performance parts are absolutely fantastic. They're so good. Uh, the aftermarket parts, not only are they a little bit cheaper than uh, the majority, but um, just great quality product. So check them out at AS3 performance.co.uk which is the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts from hardware and protection parts including skid plates and radiator braces to performance cooling parts including silicone radiator hoses and oversizing pedicates. AS3 also have a huge range of brake clutch and gear levers all with different features and adjustability check them out online at as3performance.co.uk and all those little bling bits and pieces which you uh, want to make your bike look sexy um and obviously they are essential because they're definitely going to give you a lap a uh, second lap faster yeah. so you do need them you go to as3performance.co.uk um unfortunately we don't have any discounts for them because they're too cheap already but um i will speak to ben i'll get him drunk at the, our next meeting and um i'll see if i can get a discount code 
<laughs> but if you do need any uh, discounts, then we currently have 15% off site-wide on evenstrokes.com. So that is your asterisk braces, uh, armor, um, your prox parts, um, fly kit, liac kit, um, just one helmet, just one kit. Oh, crikey. Um, filters, oil, Motorex, Sintol. Um, oh, so much. Epico, RFX. Oh, crikey. I, I'm forgetting all the, all the brands. But basically, go to evenstrokes.com, use the code MXVICE, and that will give you 15% off site-wide. That's only going to happen for the next two days because we can't run 15% all the time because everybody gets a little bit stressed. But save yourself 15%, and we have a massive warehouse clearance, which is going on at the moment, where we've got Max's tires for 60 quid. So if you're looking for a really good tire, MXST Plus, uh, 60 quid on the Evenstrokes website. Uh, the other thing I should say is all the sales from Evenstrokes.com, the profit from that goes into running MX Vice. Evenstrokes was set up to help MX Vice run. So um, you're basically buying from Evenstrokes. You are supporting us to do this podcast show, go to GPs, everything. So if you're ever wondering, or if you ever think, well, actually, this content's quite cool. I like what these guys do. How can I help? You could actually help yourself by getting 15% off your bike parts and your gear uh, and also help MX Vice at the same time. So um, uh huge thank you to uh, the team at Evenstrokes, which... Um, are working hard behind the scenes to, to make this happen. So, uh, but AS3, even strokes, Kawasaki UK, and the KLX 140, if you're in the UK, that's the bike for you. If you want a little bit of fun, that KLX 140 is so much fun. And also, as you know, I'm a Team Green ambassador. They don't know that. I'm also a factory rider. They don't know that. But yes, I am. So um, Kawasaki UK, uh, check out the website, KLX 140, um, which is absolutely phenomenal and even as a push button electric start who knew um great so ed how are you yeah things are good mate yeah we just like to sort of back up what you said we're just grateful for all the sponsors for jumping on board and all the all the readers and listeners and fans of the site supporting us it's um yeah without them there's no us so yeah we can't thank them enough mate yeah um yeah just phenomenal thank you so much guys for for supporting us if you're in the industry out there and you're kind of listening to this and wondering, um, is it a good place to have? Of course, it's a good place to advertise. What are you talking about? We've had three, no, 225,000 listens to the podcast show since January the 5th. Last year, we had 325,000 for the whole year. So if you're wondering whether the, the podcast is good value, then trust me, it's a very, very good value. Um, and, and adverts uh, from £300 per month. So if you're a brand and you're looking to get involved and support this show, then um, uh, then then just get on to james.burfield at mxvice.com and uh, let's have a chat. So there we go. Um, let's talk MX2 because there was two riders in MX2 which were absolutely phenomenal and just a little bit better than the rest um, the weekend, um, Ed. Yeah, Yago and Guy uh, De Wolf were sort of a cut above, obviously both sand specialists and both clearly relished that track and the way they negotiated it, you know, bumping all the bumps and hopping over, missing all the holes, absorbing all the all the crazy surfaces they had to endure and just, it was really cool to see their techniques. Obviously, they're quite a bit they, – they're very visually different and just the way they use the legs as sort of extra suspension and just letting their techniques sort of shine. And 
get getting through the weekend with a plum really and on such a physically demanding track it was pretty awesome to watch those two guys at work and battling as well for a bit and obviously uh yago's done it again and now he holds a 30 point lead over um kai and 31 over tebow beniston so it's a a little bit worrying for the rest of the field especially after how good he was in round one and even after he had some mistakes and he, he got up and recovered and still managed to get the win and and defeat a lot of those really good heavy hitters in that class too so he sort of real power move asserted his dominance again and even though he's pushed nice and hard by kai he was clearly looking for that first overall win wasn't he yeah uh there was nothing to split either rider i think it was such a fair result that they went one and two in in both Mm. different um in both different races because there was nothing to split either of them all weekend they were just so so good and the way that they attacked the track um it was honestly a joy to watch and i think um i think jack alhide uh on twitter basically said that their fastest laps of the end of uh, end of the race were faster than the start of the race of, the, of, of obviously MXGP riders. So that just gives you to show, that just goes to show how much they were hauling around the track. And, and there was nothing to split them all day. They were so, so good. Yeah, nah, they were on another level. And obviously Kai got the, the fastest lap time um, in the first one. And then Yago got the, I think it was the fastest lap of the whole MX2 race day. And they were the only two men in the 150s. Yago and Kai, so that just sort of uh, accentuates what what you're saying and Jack was saying, and and then then to sort of Kernan and Langenfeld were the only men in the 151. So yeah, some good battles, some good racing, and it certainly wasn't easy because those guys made it look uh, easy. But um, yeah, it was an impressive masterclass by both of them. Yeah, it, it, and I think that they're they're at the top of their game. It's great to see. Kai Banks back from from Argentina. You know, it, it came across in the interview. I spoke to him it, it quite in depth, and I think this goes for. Um, I think he was suffering the same as what Maxime Renault was suffering. They were. I think both of them just tried too hard. They had so much pressure on them. With they want to be world champions. They they put a lot of pressure on themselves. So when they came into the, the opening round, obviously in Argentina, you know, it didn't go so well for for either of them with the mistakes that they made and. You can, you know, talking to Maxine the weekend, and and obviously talking to Kai, and, and you heard that in the in the post in the Trevor's post race podcast that um, he knew he was trying too hard, so he he kind of came in a little bit more um, relaxed. He knows he understands the skill base that he's got in the sand, and uh, yeah, he he just relaxed and went with it. So. Um, one of my one of the funniest things of the weekend though is like uh, obviously we have a bit of banter with Ruben, who's his trainer, and. Uh, as I'm walking through the pits, I'm like, uh, hey, Ruben, uh, if he wins, are we doing whips? He went, no whips this weekend. We're in sap. <laughs> so and he just smiled and walked off. He was very happy. So the fact that even if he won, uh, there was going to be no whips the weekend. So, um, yeah, it was. It yeah, was you it even was... asked Kai and he said, well, I didn't win, so no whips <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> and he, he was actually pretty good. And he, he said all his podiums, I think six podiums in um, MX2, and they've all come in the sand is, is what he said. So he's ready to get that hard pack podium. And he, he's obviously got the speed and he's just trying to find those find the limits mate and um and like he said he just wants to be consistent every weekend on the box that's what he needs to do that's what he wants to do and this is a good start moving forward obviously after the the sort of underwhelming by his standards opener so yeah he's definitely got all the intensity got all the talent just 
he's still so young too. You got you, you got to you can't really forget how young he is still. He's just only really um, you know second year, third year in the class now. I think isn't it? So yeah, he's obviously missed time with injuries and yeah, he's one of the probably the you know the upper echelon of talents in the world of motocross. Like in terms of what he does on a bike, it's quite incredible. So. To watch him yeah, go forward into Switzerland, he's, did he was he is he feeling confident much more now? Yeah, yeah, he's 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 in really good form. I think he he understands what he needs to he needs to do. I think we've seen that in in you know how he's able to back up you know where he went wrong and, and adapt to it. Again, you've got Gertz who's you know I did laugh and say, "Oh, we're still going for the top five this week." And you said, "No, no, no." <laughs> our uh, our uh, kind of um, our goals have changed a little bit from 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 Argentina, so that made me chuckle a little bit. But Lagenfelder was very impressive, um, you know, all weekend. Uh, Ron van Moustijk is still carrying a bit of a shoulder injury, so um, that's gonna. He's he's at the moment. He's just trying to work with it, but heavily strapped to the weekend. His left shoulder was was uh, was heavily strapped, so we're not seeing the best of Rowan. Missed a bit of bike time as well. Um, Liam Everts was a, a tad disappointing. I think that's an honest, assumption, you know, an honest uh, appraisal of the weekend. I think he thought he could do better. I think we all thought he would do it, do a lot better. But maybe it's just one of those things again. A lot of a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations on you when you when your dad and your granddad are, are basically world champions. In in you know, you're you're fully expected on a Red Bull KTM to go out and and, and perform really well. We've seen Adamo, who has improved vastly in the sand, mm. but in some solid performances again. I mean, he's every week I talk to that guy, he impresses me more and more. He's his English is so good, like compared to when I first spoke to him when he was a kid uh, in EMX 150, where I think he he knew one phrase. Um, now he's literally I can't stop him from talking. He's awesome to interview. Um, the ultimate professional and so serious, but he's got the most awesome dash hang called Turbo. Yeah. So um <laughs> the Turbo the dog, uh, we spent a lot of time with the weekend. He's yeah. he's, he's very cool. So um, but it's quite funny hearing Adamo uh shout turbo uh through the pits. <laughs> so um and the, the dog's dragging a stick which is bigger than him. But um <laughs> I'm every, every GP I become more and more impressed with him, his, his professionalism, um, just how his approach is. He's super positive. Uh, he, he never lets anything get him down. He just sees everything as a learning, uh, you know, alert. Anything what goes wrong is he's learning. Yeah. And that's that his breath of fresh air. Like you said, mate, he obviously, um, you know, he's obviously improved a lot in the sand as was evident on the weekend. And, you know, he was catching some of those good guys late on in his fitnesses can't be questioned. And, yeah, he's just enjoying it. It's like a lot of uh, guys, a lot of guys in the industry and riders that have been in it for so long. It's a bit of a drain. And you were sort of mentioning to him how oh, is it really, you know, how is it getting to you, the pressure and, he, you know, how you're going with it all. He's like, this is awesome. I just love it. This is the opportunity <laughs> yeah. I've been dreaming for and I've worked my whole life for. So he's so motivated. Dreams coming true. And, you know, must be a pretty cool guy to work with under the, under the awning for the KTM guys because, you know, he's got a bright future and he's got the attitude to match. Yeah, if it, you know, again, I can't say enough enough about him. And, and if you get the chance to chat, if if fans are listening to this and they get the chance to chat to him, chat to him because he's a really nice guy, super open. 
um, and he will spend time talking to you. Um, yeah, well, when I spoke to him, he openly said that he was struggling with that bike and that to get the best out of it, um, you kind of need to push it. You need to hit, hit the limits as much as you can to to really to feel it working in your favour. So he's obviously, that was a couple of months ago, so he's obviously figured that out as his start to the season has been nice and consistent. Uh, you know, he gave himself about a seven and a half, eight of 10 for the riding, which is which is impressive in the sand. And he, he has the maturity to know that this and Lommel, it's sort of damage limitation. They're the toughest races of the year for him. And to come away with, yeah, pretty solid effort and another points points haul, he's happy. So to sort of look at that, and obviously Benestad was kind of in the in the same position in a way, wanting to just get through the weekend with a podium and probably knowing he's not quite up there with those elite sand riders, even though he's a super, super skillful rider. Um, yeah. yeah, so he was happy with it when he spoke to you. Really cool battle with Coonan. They were sort of going back and forth. And, yeah, Lucas Coonan was giving him a, a real run for his money there and sort of trying everything Valandran style to get past him, but he, he couldn't quite get there. And, yeah, Benestan, yeah. you you mentioned to him he's, he's he's loving that training program with Kenny. He's he's fit. He's healthy. He's, he's looking pretty good. He just needs to get that win, I think, now is next for him. And like you said, he hasn't – and he said to us he hasn't – um, had that full preseason. Really, he's come into seasons injured in MX2, and you know he's got all the credentials, European titles, all the talent, and just I reckon he would have happy to get through that one with with a with a podium and move on to Switzerland, where he should be right up there for the victory. I think James. Yeah, I think he's just he's just managing it so well, and I and I think that's because he's got good people in his corner. He he's kind of just said, "This is what I need to do for the first two rounds." He's been solid. Um, you know, talking to him in interviews and just talking to him around the pits, one of the things he's, he's just really easy going, just you know, your typical French rider, um, you know, passionate and everything else. But he, again, um, he kind of again, it just really impresses me. I was, I was still talking to, with, with Kenny on the start, and we were, he, he went, Kenny just said to me, he said, Look at him. And uh, there's monster girls everywhere, as you can imagine. These are young guys, and there's monster girls in in tight leather pants, uh, and it was like they didn't even exist. The guy was just so focused, and um, that literally you could see him uh, just running through the track, what to do. Da, 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 da. You could just see the focus on him, and that Kenny was explaining, like you know, what they talk about, what you know, how they approach the races and everything else. And he just said, just look at look at his focus now, and it was just literally laser. So, um, again, he's another rider, which really impresses me. I think he's only going to get better throughout the year. Uh, and he's going to be, all he has to do is just be that consistent guy. Just keep yep. knocking down, you know, just knocking off his podiums. And um, the thing is, is like, if he keeps doing that, he's still in the title race. Lucas Cohn in, in, in the second, um, in the second race was, was extremely impressive. Uh, the one, th- the one person which we didn't talk about, or, or who's never been talked about, and he showed glimpses last year, is um, uh, another friend. Uh, sorry, a Spanish rider, which is um, Oreo Oliver. Mm. Um, he absolutely flew. I think. It, I think his, the team's WRZ Racing, yeah. um, and well, I don't know what they got on those bikes, but Jesus Christ. Um, I think I don't know if he got whole shot in both races, but he definitely got the whole shot in the second. Yago might have got the uh, first one, and he got the second. But he was up there in both. But the second, he one was up in the first one, out, yeah, because yeah. where I was filming, which was right next to the Fox whole shot line, he li- literally, I think, his grip touched my nose. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and and I was just like, you know, you kind of like look, and we're like, 
hang on a minute, if I got this wrong, who's 51? Like that was that was the kind of like I had to like second guess myself. And it's like, ah, okay. And 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 obviously he had some good performances in EMX two fifty, and we know how fast that class is. So um yeah, he's another rider, which I think when he's riding like that already, um, you know, he's gonna be He's going to be very, very good this year, and he could be a really good outside favourite for um, the two fifty spot in uh, uh, for the MXON. Yeah, that's a good spot, mate. Because obviously they've got uh, Prado and Fernandez locked in, and then you're sort of looking at guys like him or Farris, who's obviously going to be yeah. racing with Star Racing um, in the American Motocross. He's this, from what I've heard, you don't hear too much from him, but he's just training purely for that. That's his focus. So yeah, they've got they're yeah. going to have a good team. Spain coming up, they've got some. Some good young guys, and Braceros obviously hasn't had the start that he wanted. And Yago Martinez, he was quite good in Argentina, I thought. And um, yeah, yeah, he was. Braceros, once he gets those, those stops the crashes, he got he got smashed into by Turndell, didn't he? Absolutely laid into. So, well, um, the, the interesting thing is Turndell is not exactly small. No, he's like a rookie truck. So um, that's the last person you want to get hit by. Yeah, um, him and Ferrato in, uh, in that team. Yeah, he could actually rigs. Yeah, he could literally just pick up his bike again and run around the track if he wanted to. <laughs> that big, so um, yeah, it was uh, it was good. But uh, you know, MX2 not as deep as previous years. Um, yeah. but literally, you know, the top the top ten in that in that class is insane. Like yeah. just literally different level. So um, yeah, not as deep as previous years, but the top ten is is phenomenal. Yeah, but, it's going to um, be a pretty good good year. And obviously, Horgmo got eighth overall. There probably he probably looking for a bit more. Obviously, coming after his really good first round, and yeah, Jan Pankar is usually pretty good on the hard stuff. He got eleventh overall, which he'd probably be quite satisfied with. But yeah, those guys were lapping into the top ten. Uh, yeah, Yago and Kai, and yeah, to yeah, I think most of the guys will be looking to get away from that track, including yourself, James. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <fucking> mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. Next time I go, literally, this I don't know what this Avon product is. Mark Gifford, thanks very much for the information. I'm, I'm just literally going to go and buy a caseload, and um, I'm also going to buy a bee, beehive kit. So yeah. um, they're not getting me. But um, that's it for uh, episode 119 of the MX Vice Show. We will definitely 100% be back next week with Brent Van Donick. Um, who will give us a little bit more of a lowdown. Uh, and you can hear actually from the horse's mouth about how challenging that track was. And we'll also break down where we are and what's happening in the championship as we look forward to, obviously, the Swiss GP, which is going to be in Frauenfeld. Not the same track as previous seasons. This is going to be a new track, So, um, but it's still in Frauenfeld. So um, obviously, Jeremy Seward is going to want to, you know, is going to try and want to kill it in his, in his home GP. So... Um, That'd be interesting. And so would his kit. So I'm sure he's got something planned for his kit. And speaking of lit kits, uh, it'd be interesting to hear what Brent Van Donick's got um, uh, ready for uh, for the Swiss GP as well. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. We've sort of been running that feature the last couple of weeks just to try something different. And um, yeah, it's been well received. And that, yeah, that Acherby's kit's uh, pretty lit, mate. It's looking good. And do you want to quickly go through the schedules a bit different for Switzerland in a, in a week or so? They're obviously running it a bit different with the Easter, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just religion's got in the way again. Um, the biggest bear of my life. Um, so, like, yeah, so we're going to basically have um, qualifying on the on the Saturday. Then we're all going to go to church on the Sunday. And then we're gonna race again on the Monday. So, um, yeah, praise the Lord. Or not praise the Lord. Whatever you want to do. Um, I'm not happy about it. 
Um, you know, it's the year 2023. Why would we have to go to church on a Sunday? I do not know. It, God knows I'm there. Um, I'm there every day. To- so um, I don't think we all need to take a day off of racing. Racing is religion. So um, if we could just all adopt that in Switzerland, that'd be great. Yeah, that should be a good track, though. It should be really interesting. It should There should be a little bit of parody. Obviously, uh, a couple of guys have ridden that in the past, maybe not in its new format. And, yeah, Sewer will definitely keen to, to flex his muscles there because he hasn't had the start that he's wanted. And we haven't really talking about, spoken about him too much, but, yeah, he's a, definitely a top-tier contender. And, yeah, he should be right up there again in a, in, in a pretty comfortable, happy environment. Well, I'm, I'm going to email um, and text a load of riders um, probably get about 10 of us together and um, I'm going to have a Toblerone challenge. So <laughs> see if you can eat the most Toblerones on the Sunday without being sick. So uh, Calvin, Brent, if you're listening, Mitch Evans is going to be back. So um, I'm going to get them all involved. Um, it's going to be the, the the Toblerone Championship Cup. Might even get a trophy made. Yeah, well, so, they're, they're probably not going to do too well on the race day. So they've got to get a cup for something after that, mate. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Puking everywhere after about <laughs> Three bars. But um, Ed, uh, always a pleasure to chat to you. Um, uh, and uh, again, I'm going to say it, we can't do it without our sponsors. Um, these guys literally are carrying us this year. Uh, without the support, we're not at GPs. And I'm going to say it again, AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts. From hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. Also on another one, Parts Europe. Um, those guys, you know, one of the house brands is Moose Racing. If you didn't see Calvin Vlanderen's pink kit from... Um, Argentina and uh, Sardinia, then check it out. I think it's freaking awesome. Moose Racing bringing um, some lit kit to us. So um, again, Calvin's going to be having some customized uh, shirts and bits and pieces throughout the year. So it's going to be really interesting to see what those guys over at Moose Racing do. But Parts Europe, huge thank you. Even Strokes, Asterisk, Armour, uh, Kawasaki with the KLX uh, uh, 140. Um, those guys are killing it. Uh Huge thank you to to AS3 once again. Um, Thor MX, um, you know, fantastic. Uh, that's 119 in the books. Uh, Ed, thank you for everything you're doing. You are a machine on MX Vice. Um, and I, I genuinely don't know when you sleep. Nah, mate. Yeah, I was uh, getting, getting up between, you know, on the GP days, 2.33 a.m. over here and usually 3.30-ish. So, yeah, just get into it so I can... Um, chat to your blokes and get the work done and yeah just sort of it's sort of uh yeah cover the american stuff when the, that time zone of the evening so it works perfectly mate always grateful for the opportunity and um keep up your great work yourself mate you're um you're killing it the gps with jeremy and so is ben and brad and yeah the, the team's doing great work this year so we'll just keep intend on keeping it up yeah, uh, big thank you to everybody at MX Vice for for everything they're doing. Uh, it's been the the just an incredible turnaround um, in the last couple of months. So yeah, super thankful for the people that are, are around MX Vice at the moment because uh, without those guys and with the sponsors and stuff, then uh, yeah, it, it makes life a little bit harder. But um, yeah, that's it. One nineteen in the books, and we will be back next week.